the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We call it the parable of the prodigal son. Reality, it's the parable of the loving father. As we'll see next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us. It is an amazing story, a wonderful parable, the parable of the prodigal son, as you and I know it in Luke 15. But as we're looking at this parable closely, we're finding that it's more to do with the father and his willingness to forgive and love his son. Great comfort can be found here as we continue a message called, What We Can Learn from God the Father About Being a Father. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. And today we pick up where we left off yesterday as we take a look at the father's response to his son's return from rebellion. Here's Pastor Phil. When he saw him, his heart was filled with compassion. Instead of hate, I'm going to tell him off. I'm going to let him know the family rules. And what are you coming back for? None of that. That's you and I. We want to, our pride, we're going to set him straight. None of this is on this father's heart. I'm going to show him compassion. And when he comes, he, threw, he, he's, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and smothered him in kisses. It's a present tense. He kissed and kissed and kissed and kissed. Kenneth Weiss said he, he kissed him gently. Some translations, he smothered him with kisses. Now, he hadn't taken a shower. He hadn't got clean enough to be kissed. But love knows how to kiss even when they're sloppy. Even when they're soiled. And he did something. I've said it before. In in the Orient, you don't own men. Men in positions, kings, priests, rulers, and senior citizens don't run to youth. They don't run to youth. They're wearing long robes. They could trip. It's just a matter of age and honor. You don't run to youth. By the way, youth, I don't have to get up for you, but you ought to get up for me. If you were taught anything. That's right. My kids were never allowed to stay seated when adults came in the room. That's called respect. That our culture knows nothing about. Everything's cool. No, it's disastrous. It is still nice to open a door for a woman. Carolyn makes me eat those words. Because Dr. Walvert said, you could always tell a Dallas man. And we're listening. He always gets the door for his wife. And one day, we're going to the car. And she's going ahead. She said, where's my Dallas man? I said, I'm a Bay Area man. (laughs) Dr. Walver, don't ruin it for us. (laughs) He ran. He broke all protocol. He kisses. 
ceremonially dirty. Because what is it? I'm not ashamed that I love the boy. He ashamed me. He shamed the family name. He squandered our well. Ruined our family name. But I still love him. Matter of fact, I don't just love him. I feel a mercy inside of me welling up. Now you got to know there are so many folks. No, no, no. If you, if you leave, you're never coming back. If you do this, you're never coming back. they got 18 ways they can write them out. Write them off. Write them out. Write them off. We're talking about the Father's heart here, not yours. This is the Father's heart. I cannot tell you how many times the model of God the Father has restrained me and rebuked me and determined my behavior. I was always uh, the hardest on Deborah, being the oldest child. And I grew up with a disciplinarian father. So my first child was going to be the model. And I was on her in a moment. Boy, and just thank God it didn't have boys. Girls are easier in the younger years. They catch up though. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just strict and, and disciplined. And you better. And, and this, by the time Elizabeth came, she hardly, I just look at her, you know, and that was it. You finally wear down. Cool it. Everything isn't as big as it was with the first child. Do you know what I mean? The child does. That's why David said, you brat, we were raised different. Were. My dad's much stricter, harder, and sometimes out of bounds. But there's been times I wanted to physically, corporally discipline her, whatever, this and that. And uh, you know the hardest part of the uh, discipline is to make her sit in my lap so we both could cry over the whipping. That was the hardest. That it broke my heart. I didn't have children to beat on them. I didn't have children to spank. I had children to love. If the spanking is for their good, it really ought to happen in the younger years. That do they think you care? Don't spank your children in anger. There's never a place in the Bible that said that you ought to spank in anger. You ought to spank to teach. Spank to teach. Speak to change behavior. Rebuke, verbal, instruct. But here the dad, I'm going to run to him. I'm going to smother him. And he's right there in this small village. All of this is being observed. And so he says, the father uh, happens to love you and he's not ashamed to say he loves you. Um, Dave King, when he used to be in this church, uh, got me to go to a Bible study in San Quentin. And we went there and there's about 20 men in the Bible study. We all just sit with chairs like in a half circle. And uh, we were there and I was doing a Bible study on Romans 5 that night. That uh, while we were yet ungodly, while we were still sinners, while we were weak, at the right time, at the right time, in the Greek, in due season, and it's a word kairos, it means right opportune moment, Christ died for us. I was in that study, and these men were in there for various crimes, everything from killing to other things. 
At one moment in that study, I, I remember saying, men, I want you to bring up the worst thing you've ever done. Hold it in your mind until I tell you to let it go. Just bring it up. Conjure up. Killing, robbery, rape, whatever puts you in San Quentin. I want you to think on it right now. Just, just hold it though. And all of a sudden, you start hearing men groan. They, ah, and, uh, and this one man, he finally yelled. I said, how long do I have to hold it? It's killing me. I want to let it go. And I said, I want you to imagine it's at this point that Jesus decided to walk to the door and say, I'll go to the cross for you. For when we were at our worst, when we were at our worst, at the right season, at the right time, not when we were in church, not when we got baptized, not when we gave an offering, when we were the worst we could ever be, he said, I'm going to pick this moment to take your place. This is called shameless love. I'll make you mine by burying your shame in a shameful death next to the city dump of Jerusalem because I will be treated like a dog. They said, we don't want you in the city limits. So they put me outside the city limits where the dog eat the corpses. I bore your shame on a cross. Everything on the cross is considered to be under a curse. God is not ashamed to say he loves you. And he knows the worst thing you've ever done. The worst thing you've ever done. And he stepped in to the scaffolds and let the guillotine fall on him. I want to die for their worst behavior. This is the shameless love of God. And he said in Romans 8, For if God did not spare his only begotten son for you, will he not with him freely give you all things? God's already done the hardest thing in the world to love you. The rest is easy. The father had a shameless love. Thirdly, the father's love was forgiving and celebrative. He not only forgave him, but he threw a party. Have you ever seen people, you, you, you could just pick it up. You say, say, how are you getting along with that person? Oh, I forgave him. Yeah, that's done. I just don't want to ever see him again. We won't be going to lunch anymore. Oh, and you said you forgave them. When God forgives, he throws a party. You don't get it. When God forgave you, he threw a party in heaven. And I think back in 58, 15th and cutting, you mean to tell me heaven threw a party the night a 14-year-old boy went forward and accepted Christ? He said, that's what I did. I expect you to throw a party if you find a sheep. I expect you to throw a party if you find a coin. And you better believe when I find a son, I'm going to throw a party. God is a party God. He throws a party when sinners come home. He's a party. He forgives. He celebrates. And that is love. I, I can't imagine throwing a bass in the neighborhood for the son that shamed me. For the son that rejected me. For the son that wished me dead. I forgive you so much son. I'm giving you back the family ring. I'm giving you the family robe. And we're going to throw a public party. And say forgiven. Forgiven. You were this. But you're now this. We celebrate. What a wonderful. 
wonderful kind of God. Not only forgives you, but he embraces you. Will you ever love me again? Can you ever love again? I think the most pitiful thing I've seen in life and in church is people who have determined they will never love again. Because it's always risky to love, is it not? Isn't one of the craziest things in the world to meet a guy, fall in love, and agree to have children, and you don't have a clue of what they're going to be? Why did you do it? I was in love. And you were. But what a risk you took. It was C.S. Lewis said, if you dare love anything, you run the risk of being disappointed. He said, love an animal, and they can die. Love a friend, they can die, they can move, they can whatever. If you love, he said, you are taking the gamble and the risk that it may not be reciprocated. But then he said, but if you refused to love, you will put your heart in a coffin where it will grow unable to love for the only place safe from the risk of love is hell. C.S. Lewis, Four Loves. Well, to see the final thing is uh, unshared love. To raise a son, two sons that don't love what you love. And that comes with the elder brother. And here are the elder brothers in the house, but he doesn't have the father's heart. And he shames his dad as bad as the younger son. Because here the dad throws the party, it, no doubt a village party, guests coming in there. And in front of all the guests, he says, son, he gets mad in the field. He's outraged that the son has been welcomed back and all of the uh, fanfare that dad has shown. And he's already mad and by the time he gets to his dad the party's going and, and dad said come on son come on come into the party he said not on your life not on your life here I've been slaving see he turned sonship into slavery instead of him saying I'm working out of gratitude because I get all your property that I have you as my father. He said, I'm nothing but a slave around here. Wait, had not dad fed him? Had not dad blessed him? Had not everything he had in his life came from the same dad? Yeah, but no, no, I'm just in it for what I get and I don't like the fact you gave away a portion of the inheritance. I'm mad. I will not come to your party. Who is the elder brother? He's the Pharisees. Jesus said, I've come to welcome sinners home. I've come to save. And you Pharisees and Judaism, you don't join with me in throwing a party that I'm saving prostitute tax collectors and people that don't fit your category of being acceptable. I keep loving them. Reaching out to them saying, God loves you. God wants you. You can't have God loving sinners. You got to judge them. You got to hold the line, you know. This is the God of Moses. 
This is the God of Mount Sinai. This is the God you pick up sticks on the Sabbath and we will kill you. Numbers 15. A boy just gathers sticks and they stone him. And Jesus said, I've come to represent the God you've distorted. The God that I represent has an unconditional love. He so loved the world, not everybody that's righteous, the world, that he would give his only begotten son. And Judaism had lost this kind of God. It was rules, 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 washings, rules, ceremonial washings. Every, I, I just ask an acquaintance, do you know that you'll go to heaven when you die? He said, I think about it every night. Well, you haven't answered, do you know? He said, I'm not sure. I said, what chance do you have? He said, I go to confession. I said, how often? Once every six months. And he was sincere as he could be. He just didn't know. I know I'm not, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. I try not to do the big ones, but I'm still not sure I can get in. Unshared love, I think one of the most painful things I've seen is parents who can't leave an inheritance to kids who do not have their values. They don't want their money thrown away on women, drugs, this or that. Their money came to them from God. They have Christian values. And they said, I cannot give you my resources because I want it used for godly things. Or to raise kids in your home that say, uh, I don't love Christ. I don't buy the Bible. I've gotten smarter than you. I, I don't buy your worldview. You mean you don't love the hearts of those who raised you. You don't love the woman that bore you. You don't love what the father loves. You don't share, but you sure want to be there for the reading of the will, right? Of which God gave them their wealth. God bless them. God gave all the material, but that's all you want, just like both boys. Neither one wanted the dad. They wanted what he had. I want to say this. There's something sometimes that can sound sickening about, I, I just want to go to heaven. Is that all you want? <coughs> what if Jesus wasn't there? I, well, I still want heaven. Matter of fact, I wouldn't mind a harem. In other words, Jesus had nothing to do with it. You don't love Jesus. Now, I hear people do that. They'll quote the gospel. Have you ever come to treasure Jesus? A brother just did a funeral and he told about the days. He would just say, God, leave me alone. Leave me alone. I'm going to hell. Leave me alone. And finally, as he shared, I was shown who Jesus was. And I thought, what have you been running from? This is what I've been running from. Jesus. God has a great heart. I hope you parents with prodigal children that don't buy your values. They may have even gone into another lifestyle altogether. Question you on everything. All I would say is God kept loving you when you were lost. God wasn't ashamed to say he gave his son for you when you were lost. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart.
And don't blame your raising skill. Uh, many of you, Father's Day is painful because the prodigals in America are now dads that have abandoned children, abandoned home, abandoned wives. There's as many prodigal dads as there are prodigal sons. We can't find dads. I talked to different ones. I talked to a young man the other day about marriage and whatever. And in his sincerity, he said, I don't know what that is. I never grew up with a man in the home. Some of you men might be the only fathers our young people know. If you've got enough room in your heart to include them. Is there enough room in your heart to love a boy or girl and treat them with fatherly love? Or is all your memories of a negative father? Or thank God for those of you that had a father that was kind, tender, and might have reminded you of God. Might have reminded you of God. He's a wonderful God. He keeps telling me, be the kind of father I am. I want to read you one clip and then we'll close. There's no day wasted in being a father. Let me read you a story. It is said of Boswell, the famous biographer of Samuel Johnson, that he often referred to a special day in his childhood when his father took him fishing. The day was fixed in his adult mind and he often reflected upon many of the things his father had taught him in the course of their fishing experience together. And after, and having heard of this particular excursion so often, it occurred to someone much later to check the journal that Boswell's father kept and determine what had been said about the fishing trip from the parental perspective. Turning to that date, the reader found only one sentence in the father's journal. Gone fishing today with my son. A day wasted. A day wasted. Please redeem the moments. I tell of taking my girl, dropping her off at an airport. And all she wanted was another hour to talk. But I had something in the church that was that valuable, that important, that I moved the, the type A person. I got to get back. I got to get back. I lost a golden moment because it would have been time wasted. You don't waste time investing in your child. Redeem the time. Our Father... Help us to emulate you in all that we do. And especially in this matter of raising imperfect children. Imperfect human beings. If we don't hit, get your heart, Father. We don't have a chance to act, think, and be what we ought to be. In a world full of disappointments. Full of failures. Full of people that... Uh, may decide to leave us and use us. Help us, help us to have your heart in our reaction to children, sinners, saints. Teach us to love like you. You're a template. You're a parable of love that none of us could ever surpass. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. 
Thank you, Lord, for giving. Not anything I wrung out of you. You gave a son when I was at my worst. I bless your holy name forever and ever. Amen. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today. Now, we have a couple of ways to do so. The easiest might be simply visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org. You can drop us an email. We have other means of contact that you'll find there at truthfortodayradio.org. We also have a lot of resource materials available for your growth and relationship with Christ. Our design and desire is to see that you grow in Christ, grow according to his knowledge and grace. Any way we can help, well, that's why we're here. So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call. 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Please bear in mind as you contact us that this is a listener-supported ministry. As you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. Prayerfully consider how you might get involved in the ministry of Truth For Today, won't you? 855 833-9864 or write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue Suite 278 Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547 and that website once again truthfortodayradio.org It is a pleasure spending time with you in God's Word. We trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.